Hello there, how are you? Welcome along to the podcast, uh, Valentine's Day evening, recording this introduction. I hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Do appreciate it. I've had a week off, been the coldest week ever, trying to paint the front door and the back door. <laughs> so been outside in many layers of clothes here in Cheltenham in the west of England. Uh, but we're getting there. Looks okay. Nice chalky kind of grey colour, complementing the white, or so I'm told by my uh, my boss, the foreman, my wife. Uh, but all going well here and appreciate hitting on that button. Thank you to you. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Check out B&O Cheltenham on Twitter and Instagram. Remember through that company, Serene AV, which is a sister company, they can source equipment other than the fine Bang Olufsen audio equipment, speakers, so on and so forth, home entertainment systems, whatever you want, the top brand, the bespoke solution for whatever your needs and budget are. So check out uh, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham website, get in touch with Jason Briggs and his team, get the contact details and numbers, and they'll have a consultation with you, I guess, remotely at the moment, and then go go from there. Um, but good team, good people, and appreciate their support as ever in the podcast. And appreciate the association as well with Cytoplan, which is a company that is a purveyor of food-based supplements, which we've been using as a family, uh, the Drapers, for 20 years. My father's worked for them as a consultant. We do try and stress, we do pay for our supplements at discounted rate, albeit, um, because hopefully that shows, underlines our sort of belief in them, uh, particularly filling the gap in terms of micronutrition. My father talks a lot about type 2 malnutrition. He's a GP doctor and a a nutritionist specializing in micronutrition and firm focus on trace elements like selenium and zinc. And actually, I'm trying to get him on the podcast soon after doing some research on the latest situation regarding vitamin D or vitamin D if you're in the States or Australia, that sort of vitamin D3 component, which seems to be a key player in the resistance to COVID-19. Some commentary over the weekend, I believe, in the national press about it could be almost as important as the inoculation, the vaccine in some senses of protecting us, stealing us against future variants of the virus. But I think moreover, it's a sort of underscore of how important it is, particularly the Northern Hemisphere, when we're homeschooling, homeworking, not in the daylight, how significant it could be. So that's really fascinating. I'll take a supplement called Immune Complete from Cytoplan, which has uh, vitamin D3 and selenium and zinc as part of its... um, formula for optimizing the immunity but i do obviously vitamin d3 separate supplements at cytoplan.co.uk as well so if you head to cytoplan.co.uk you can get 30 percent off your initial purchase 10 percent thereafter with the code draper 10 r d r a p e r all capital letters the numbers one zero and the capital letter are interestingly as well, if you are living in the Northern Hemisphere, for example, the UK or the Northern States in America, then if you are a darker skin, you've got more melanin in your skin, then your vitamin D3 requirement would be higher because you're absorbing less potentially through the daylight. Again, that would depend on how much you're going outside. But clearly, if you've got darker skin, more melanin in your skin, that blocks UV. The UVB rays, I believe, it, are the ones that trigger the, the vitamin D3 synthesis. So I think it's that type of daylight you require which is pretty sparse here at the moment actually for for all of us um but it's worth checking up what requirements you would need uh going by your amount of melanin in your skin well here we are let's uh, talk to uh, my good colleague joe wilson haven't seen her for well seen her about six months ago at home when uh the regulations were relaxed but she's had a pretty much a year 
off work from going in. She did host a few things from home for Sky Sports and the day job that we have as sports broadcasters. But she has been uh, homebound because she was pregnant when the pandemic began last spring. Had a beautiful girl, Mabel, I believe in September. She's sort of four and a half months old now. Beautiful little girl. When we did this interview, I actually got to see her, which was wonderful and managed to sort of just evoke some memories of, of having my own daughter as well, who's now six, going on 26. Um, but yeah, it's really nice to see her and speak to her about the kind of changing identity of becoming a parent, particularly a mum, having a carrying a baby inside you and giving it, having that sort of transformation and the identity of, of how you change and perhaps how you never go back to, to how you were, but want to incorporate other aspects of your life. Joe's talking about the upcoming return to work and things like that. So it was really cool to explore those issues and talk about some of the benefits and challenges of working in, in the sports industry. And one of them in particular for Joe um, was not being able to play netball and basketball, which is two loves and passions. And I suppose that's ignited our passion to want to cover sport, but has been a, perhaps um, just a compromise you make. And one that I've made with, with football, I played semi-professional football when I was younger. Couldn't really do that on weekends, couldn't commit to regular training sessions. So it's, yeah. So small, don't, don't want any violins out for us, I'm sure. But it is the, the wonderful Joe Wilson. Really good to catch up with her. Talk a little bit of Six Nations rugby as well because she has covered the Six Nations for Scotland before. Here we are, the great Joe Wilson. Joe Wilson, we're recording. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Hello. Thank you for having me. I'm good, thank you. It's a pleasure. You look fantastic. And I know you sort of, um, you, you, you work kind of... Uh, I guess you don't know how to respond as a mother, do you, when you've been up all night with a baby? Because <laughs> I know my wife, Carla, used to be like, oh, people keep saying I look well, but I don't. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll save my wrath, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but how you, oh, it was brilliant to see Mabel. She's she's flying, isn't she? She's. Um, I know. It's mad how, yeah, it's just amazing how quickly the time goes, because I think we were saying the last time I saw you, um, I think I was about six months pregnant and now I've got a four month old, which is just <laughs> it's quite surreal in a way. Um, and I think the last time we worked together was probably about a year ago, which is even more surreal. Yeah, I was looking at pictures that I can use to um, populate on on my sort of uh, highly developed social media platforms. But <laughs> those pictures of you and I and it. Yeah, there's one from 2019, December 2019, I think. We, I guess we must have worked maybe January, February. Together. Yeah, probably. But yeah, it, was, well, it seems like a long time ago. It does. It does. And we're not really working with anyone at the moment because single-led presenters and has of been course. since since last March. So which is uh, it's quite surreal. I actually missed that missed that interaction because we've obviously spent and yourself. I was looking at you know your phone puts people on your significant people or, or you've uh, yeah. your pictures. I got I've got you. I've got Tom White, Pete Graves, and and Haley. I think so. I'll see pictures down the years at work that we've uh, worked together. So you realise you actually missed that that social side of it because it is quite a it's a quite a good teamwork, isn't it, when you're on together. Yeah, and I, I was kind of wondering about that when I come back. It's going to be very strange coming back, having left when it's been two presenters, coming back to one presenter and just, yeah, not having that. Even just before you go on air, uh, it was always nice yeah. to have each other to kind of have a chat to and go and get coffee with. And then even on air, uh, just, yeah, different dynamic, I suppose. Yeah, because you always, the on-air times don't necessarily coordinate with other teams, do they? So you, you sometimes cross production team times and you're not, you're doing a sort of different role than those guys. And now with social distancing and all that kind of stuff, you can't really sort of sit next to people and have a, a good catch-up. So you do feel sometimes like a little stranger in the night. You say hello to the person in front of you and then it's, you know, who's coming off and you're coming on and then vice versa. When you come off, there's a, a new presenter coming on. So it's, yeah, it's, it's a surreal one. I mean, we are lucky though to have got to go to work throughout the pandemic and 
you know, fortunate because obviously, if you, I think if you're older or had un underlying health conditions, you wouldn't be expected to go in, or if you're, you're pregnant as you were, yeah. which was a, a big thing. But I, I feel like, you know, a lot of my friends at the start of the lockdown were embracing working from home. And now with homeschooling added to the picture, I think they're really kind of uh, struggling with it. So I think we're lucky to, to be able to go somewhere and, and see people is in person because, you know, you've been on the Teams calls and the Zoom calls that we've had as, with the presenters, but it's not quite the same, is it? It's nice to have that, that human side of it. Yeah, and I think that's actually it's, it's something I'm really looking forward to getting back to work, which I shouldn't wish away the days of maternity leave. But I think one of the reasons I am actually quite looking forward to getting back to work is just to see people. And yeah. Lockdown, it's been tough on everyone. Um, and like you say, we are very lucky that we still have jobs and, and things like that. Um, but yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to getting back to work to just have a little bit more social interaction and just to get yeah. out there. Having a, having a baby in lockdown is was sort of like a mixed mixed bag, we were saying as well, wasn't it? Because it must be so strange because you can't see family, which is tragic. But then at the same it's time, it's sort of simplifying, which is almost what you need having a baby because it just is so overwhelming. And that's speaking as someone who didn't actually give birth, of course, it's a different a different <laughs> picture for, for mums It's in terms of the size yeah. of the baby. I think it's a funny one because obviously I've never had a baby and not been in lockdown so yeah. I only know what it's like to have a baby in these times and I think it can sometimes be you know I have days where I'm like oh I wish I could just go and meet a friend for a coffee I wish I could go to a mum group um mm. you know I wish I could take Mabel swimming I wish you know I had all these kind of things cancelled swimming lessons and you know baby yoga things like that <laughs> You do feel a little bit sad that that's not happening. Um, feel sad that my mum and dad can't come and visit. Yeah. Um, yeah. But at the same time, like you say, it's kind of, it, you have to try and take the good of it in that there has been very little pressure on me. So I've felt quite mm. relaxed in that, you know, if, I, if I'm if i tired one day, I don't have to go out and do anything if I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah. just kind of enjoy the quiet and enjoy the fact that I have to stay in the house. Um, yeah. And how's it, how's it feel being in the Cotswolds? Because you moved as well during the pandemic, didn't yeah, you? It's, so, it's a complete change of pace and scenery from, from London. Yeah, I feel really lucky because I think we couldn't have planned our move any better if we'd known there was a pandemic on the way because <laughs> we got our house at the start of the year and moved, uh, I think it was two weeks into the first lockdown. So it was the beginning of April. Yeah. Um, you know, very lucky that the house move went through. We, you know, the sellers were very keen to keep you know they were keen to sell the house we were keen to move so you know really lucky that that all happened uh, and yeah just move moving out here it's been brilliant you know, just having the space having a garden having the countryside on your doorstep I think we, you know I lived in a little flat in Fulham on the Fulham road before wow which I loved it you know I love London uh, yeah but I just can't imagine having been in lockdown and pregnant and having a baby in that <laughs> flat. Um, because things like just being able to go out for your daily walk and be able to walk on these nice country paths. And yeah, um, we, I live in a place where there's these old ruins at the top of the road. And it's kind of, you know, you turn a corner and you're in amongst all these old ruins. Yeah. yeah. Put, put stuff in perspective, doesn't it? See an ancient things because you realise yeah, that everything's definitely, and, yeah. and it, it doesn't get old either. Like I, I thought, oh, another walk to the ruins. It's going to be boring, <laughs> but actually, it's not. It's lovely. Um, so yeah, I'm really grateful for that.
good for your health as well isn't it I suppose when you think about it being that fresh air and you know just that getting yes. sunlight and the vitamin d in the, in, the, in the winter yeah and I think sometimes I do lack the motivation to kind of get out the house and my partner Dan is amazing at <laughs> telling me to get out of the house and he's, he's running marathons isn't he oh well, yeah he is he's actually he'll 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 want a little mention because he's just found out he's qualified for team GB uh, or you had to do duathlon so it's the European championships in the summer uh, for his age group so he's, he turned 40 last year so he's managed to qualify for <laughs> to represent team GB duathlon uh, in the summer which is exciting so he's in mad training mode uh, but good for me because he actually is very encouraging of trying to you know just the importance of getting out and doing a little bit of exercise. So is that, uh, hy- is that hypothetical or is he actually going to compete for Team G? No, he's actually going to compete. Yeah, he got his um, Team GB suit through last week. Whoa, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, if it happens, I guess you never know with the, yeah. with the pandemic and the state of the world. It's meant to be in Romania in July. Uh, so hopefully it will happen. Yes, yeah, so you, uh, you submit times and then they select you, so they have to trust exactly, you that you've, done, you've exactly. actually done. He did, a, he did a duathlon when Mabel was one week old. Whoa. Uh, at the time... Uh, how, did you, how did you feel about that? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit dubious as to whether or not he would be able to do it. Uh, and also, uh, yeah, I mean, good on him. He, he just cracked on and got a really good time submitted it and it was good enough to qualify so yeah so you can't you can't obviously do it you can't just go for a run around the block and submit a time no, you have to see you do it officially yeah, I think it has to be an official uh, qualifying race so this was the Cotswolds duathlon in wow. last September October um yeah so he realizes the importance of being active and keeping active particularly because he's a bit older than me you know <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's a little bit older than me, but not much. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Because, yeah, yeah, it's, it's sort of like, he got his birthday in just before that, didn't he? His landmark birthday before the yeah, lockdown, is that exactly. right? So, yeah, it's a tricky time for people celebrating those things. But that's a good job that I realised that because I was sort of saying when you first moved up here or planning to, obviously not with the pandemic involved, I said, oh, I should meet up with Dan and have a jog and all this kind of stuff. And now I've realised <laughs> that he's some sort of international athlete on long distance. <laughs> Probably won't, probably won't do that, to be honest. So. Oh, no, he'd love that. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he can walk and I'll try and jog. That'd be uh, probably fair. Cycle, but, he can do cycling. You can run alongside him cycling. No, other way around. Other way around, yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds even worse. Um, but duathlon cycling, is it? So he's, he's, not into, he's not doing the triathlon. He's not the swimming yeah, side of it. Yeah, duathlon. So the running and the, and the cycling. Wow. Not, not into the swimming part of it <laughs> that's that's impressive well you've always been into health and exercise but you've always struck me as someone that does it kind of just for sense of well-being rather than that that sort of which i guess a lot of men do in their middle age they seem to go for extreme things which i've never really ventured to just because of the, the, <laughs> Still the, time the toll, toll of it. <laughs> yeah i just don't think i'm good at long distance uh sort of endurance stuff more sort of I prefer more team yeah. sport things and that was well, i used to do a lot of team sports like when i was you know growing up and at school that was all i always did netball basketball um yeah. i did do a little bit of athletics but i was always a sprinter rather than a long distance <laughs> um, and i think yeah as i got older uh kind of just got harder to join teams i remember when i first moved to london i tried to join a netball team yeah and they chucked me out after a couple of months because i couldn't commit to the training schedule because oh, of our yeah. 
yeah. and they were, you know, I just, my shifts were all over the place. I would never know from one week to the next what I was working. Um, and eventually they just were like, oh, you can't really play if you're not training. And I totally get it, but it, it was quite sad because I thought, you know, I love doing these team sports as a way of keeping fit and keeping yeah. active, but it just proved quite hard to maintain. Um, that's a really good it's a really good point actually because I think that's something that people say to you and you know or is it working weekends and evenings is the tricky part which it is and that obviously becomes more complicated when you when you have a family and, and your kids go to my daughter goes to school now so your time is limited with her and, and that's sort of mainly concentrated on the weekend and if you're working weekend it's difficult but for a long time I said the most challenging aspect was as we're all sports lovers not being able to play sport yeah. regularly to, to a decent level like 11 aside football team or, or whatever it may be and I play five aside whenever I can or, or could before the the pandemic so it's but it's it's true that that is something you miss out in your 20s and 30s isn't it a little bit yeah no definitely and I think um you, it's funny you say you know you can't play sport a lot of the time you end up not being able to watch a lot of the sport either because no. you're working in early and the, the big football match has been on the night before and you're you're trying to catch up with what's happened yeah um, but yeah, no, I think that is why I got quite into the gym and stuff, because you had to kind of find a way of keeping fit and active without being able to join a team. Uh, and yeah, the gym kind of becomes one of your only options. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting because you, you obviously, you're tall, so you played the netball and, and basketball. Were you sort of attacking player in netball? Were you goal attack? Yeah, I used to play goal attack. Or actually, quite because I'm quite tall, I was goal defence maybe as well. Mm. Um, and I used to quite often like playing centre, which was a yeah. bit controversial because I am quite tall and centres traditionally were a little bit smaller. Um, but I was quite nippy, so uh, yeah, versatile, I think, Ed, is the word. What, what was your position in basketball? You were centre in that, were you? Were you one of the forwards? Or... Uh, no, I was a forward, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I was, I was quite... Uh, Re, uh, you know people would look at the score sheet at the end of the match and you'd look for you know top score or whatever I would always look for rebounds because that was always my goal was to yeah. get rebounds yeah the Dennis Rodman of your high school yeah oh yeah exactly. <laughs> bit, not as mean though maybe <laughs> no no um it's it's, it's it's funny to think about this though because it's I'm going to put this podcast out a little bit later but it's the opening weekend of the Six Nations obviously you've worked the Six Nations in-house at Murrayfield presenting on the on the big screen there and things like that which you've got a connection to but it, it struck me one thing that's in my family as well as we've got an american arm of the family my uncle moved out there and got a cousin who uh says things like yogurt and stuff like that so he's uh, right. very and i was thinking about you it must be strange slightly that you're a, a proud scottish woman coming down and, and, and mabel if you stay where you are will have probably have an english accent is that strange yeah. do you think well it is you know it's funny because obviously i'm scottish dan is mancunian so he's yeah. got a man Mr. accent I've got a Scottish accent and if we stay down here she'll probably grow up with an Oxfordshire accent I guess quite posh um, quite posh English yeah accent. a little bit posh she'll be very <laughs> confused I think at first you know <laughs> why do my mum and dad talk like this and everyone else talks um a different way yeah. uh but yeah the good thing as well though is when it comes to if she ever wants to represent her country in sport she'll have the option of playing for England or Scotland so and you'll, you'll take that will you either way you both yeah I'll take it either way <laughs> <laughs> you know she it might you might influence her though because you'll spend a lot of time talking to her so it might be that she'll suddenly sort of throw in a Bournemouth or a Portsmouth or oh yeah maybe maybe <laughs> But that's a that's a funny one, isn't it? Because you've had to you've had sort of coaching a little bit, and I had this because I did my masters in journalism in the states, and I remember the guy wouldn't let me on the sort of 
public access radio if I didn't say Tuesday, not Tuesday. Oh, really? Americans say Tuesday. Yeah. Double O rather than a U. And uh, yeah. he, was, he was a funny pedantic guy called Fred Kite. But I remember him and um, I suppose you had a little bit of that, didn't you? Broadcasting in England, your sort of cognitive. Yeah, no, I did have a little bit. I remember at first um, when I used to do a bit of reporting and a, a couple of people would kind of say, oh, you know, and like you, with the example you gave there, I, I used to always say Portsmouth and I, I didn't actually know that, that there was something wrong with saying Portsmouth no. <laughs> because that's just what, what in Scotland how we would pronounce it. Um, but then I actually went to see a voice coach maybe a couple mm. of years in and he, one of the best things, it was one of the best things I did because I only had one session with him because he said, do you know what you need to do is just be yourself because yes. you kind of noticed the difference with when I was trying hard to remember to say things in a certain way or even like trying to change the, the tone of my voice to try and make it a bit deeper or yeah. um, trying to, you know, maybe not be as, oh, I can't even think what the word is, this is baby brain for you, you forget. Partic what, particular um, or specific. Yeah, yeah. Or, yeah, even just like your, the way, yeah, the way you say your sentences, trying to keep it all on one level rather than going, you know, you're naturally, you go up and down. Yeah. And I'd maybe be trying consciously to keep it all on one level and speak quite low, <laughs> uh, change my accent, you know, tone down my vowel sounds and things like that. And I remember at the end of this one session and he just said, you know, the times that he thought I was better was when I was just being myself more. Uh, and so and actually- all, all, Yeah, also I think just to, sorry to, I think it's more like about being comprehensible and people, obviously you're enunciating more than the English person who would say Portsmouth or Bournemouth. Yeah. It's obvious what you're saying. It's not like we can't re recognize what it is. And I think Jim White, legendary Scottish broadcaster at Sky Sports yes. News, he's still, he always says Bournemouth, doesn't he? So yeah, he's good enough for him. Yeah, and I think now as well, there's so many different accents that you hear on the television and radio and, and everywhere that I think it becomes, it's quite nice to have a bit of variety. You, don't, you know, people don't want us all to sound the same. Yeah, no, they don't. How's Mabel? I can hear in the background. Is she? I know, she, so she learned how to scream last week. <laughs> oh, okay, good. Screaming. Not that she's in pain or she's in distress. It's just her way of communicating. Oh, that's good. Yeah. She's, so, she's so alive she's so alert watching her she's beforehand on the camera she was just very engaged wasn't she she's kind of very no she is it's a really nice stage actually because I mean you know yourself the newborn stage is a little bit of a um I mean, I felt like a, a bit of a shock to the system I was going to say I felt like I've been hit by a truck a little bit for the first few weeks just yeah. You know, you're kind of dealing with no sleep and this little baby that is so just dependent on you for everything and you, you're you learning as you go as a parent, first time parent, yeah. um, how to look after this little baby and they're not the most engaged or uh, responsive. So it's actually really nice. I think this is a really nice stage where she's starting to be more responsive and uh, the screaming yeah. is cute for about half a day and now it's become a little bit annoying but like a, like a banshee like a banshee or a war yeah, it's like a little yeah. dinosaur that's what i thought it was <laughs> it's amazing it's amazing because it's a strange trend that i talk about people at work i don't sort of um sort of disagree with it in a sense i know what people are trying to do they're trying to be sort of uh, collaborative but it's it's interesting when i hear men talk about oh our pregnancy or our labor and i'm like eh, my wife she just look at me and be like oh, oh it's really tough. really tough for you you had someone growing in your body did you and you gave birth and you had all this stuff because it, it, it that's a huge part of it isn't it because suddenly you've got this 100 percent commitment after you like you say you've almost been through like a car accident or something it probably feels like 
Yeah, and I mean, I think we will talk more about that. But coming back to the the dad thing, I, I in a way, I wonder if it's more of a shock to the dad because we have grown this little baby inside us, and yeah. it's almost I don't I mean, I'm not I don't know I'm not talking about connection or anything, but mm. in a way, you feel quite connected to this baby because it's been inside you, but to the dad it's maybe more of a shock because you've not had that connection inside you for nine months and then suddenly it's like this is your baby and <laughs> yeah. you have to look after it yeah I went in waves because I remember when Carla first that she said she was pregnant I had this sort of panic so and I'm not unfortunately Zoe's followed me that I'm not always been the best sleeper if I'm excited about something and Zoe's been <laughs> right. not, not like Carla Carla's a 10 hour uh, sort of uh, night girl so she's um she struggled with that side of it but I was like when I first found out I was like suddenly panicking like oh come on you've got to be a provider now you this is it you know this is serious and I was like staying up or like waking up all night and sort of worried about it and then that sort of lapsed and then when she, she was born it, it had this pull at different sort of uh degrees I suppose because I, I heard Tony Robbins, who's a self-development person, say that physiologically, I think women have eight times the oxytocin when the baby's born versus the man. You do get some, yeah. but you have less of that overwhelming thing of like, I can't leave this baby. But you also have like, you have a bit of that, but you also have the sense of like, oh, I have to go out and work. And do. so it's a kind yeah. of like, it felt like you were torn in different directions. And I probably got the balance wrong because I went sort of a bit work crazy at the start. I was doing our regular job at Sky Sports News and I was doing a boxing podcast as well. And I was away a couple of nights a week and I had my time again because I never actually had a paternity leave either. I was only off for, because Zoe was three weeks late. So I'd taken three weeks off, I was freelance. And then she was born, so I only had another week or something. And then, so I retrospect A for me and B for Carla and I suppose most importantly for Zoe, I should have juggle that differently but you just yeah. don't know when it when it first happens it's like and you have to sort of think I've got to earn money and it's it's a complex yeah, sort of picture really actually bad. and that's like I mean we were talking about lockdown and trying to see the positives and that's been another great thing the fact that Dan is just here all the time yeah um, I think he's had a really nice time I mean although he probably wants to escape <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting words into his mouth but I think it has been really nice that dads have been able to spend that time that they wouldn't have had otherwise yeah yeah definitely and he's um he's a pro at working from home as well isn't he? he's always done that so he must be getting hit up with phone calls and people asking yeah, for advice no, he, he has done it for I think about the past five years although he does he usually travels a lot with his job so he would maybe travel every five or six weeks um which obviously he's not doing so that's been so nice because he's not had to go away yeah. for a week at a time and not see me or Mabel um it's and you know things like this like I can do this podcast with you and he's working at the moment but he can he can work <laughs> on his lap or in her little gym or whatever so um yeah it just works really well how, how, and that's an interesting balance isn't it for Dan as well because I remember wanting to try and sort of I guess get fit and do exercise it's that duality though isn't it because I think what well, I did a hosting session at Cheltenham Wellbeing Festival a couple of years ago and it was self-care is not selfish was one of the slogans which is important I think it's mostly directed at, at mums and I know Carla found that really difficult that anything for herself she felt guilty about and, and it was I was cognizant that I had to stay fixed I was always aware of it but then also like it was like I can't go to the gym for two or three hours and have a sauna and come back it's just not fair it's, <laughs> it's a difficult balance isn't it I don't know how you found that and obviously Dan's running marathons I guess but he's having to yeah. balance that with with commitment so you just have to be realistic and work at it together I think that's it it's just working out what works for you and you know I know that he his running and things is really important so it's important that he gets that hour or two hours of the day where he can go and do that 
Um, but at the same time, I actually started, I've started doing coach to 5k <laughs> to try and get back running. Oh, so is Carla actually, yeah. Oh yeah, because and it's funny because some people are like, oh no, you're better than that. And I'm like, really? I am not. If you, <laughs> my body feels like right now, um, couch to 5k. Yeah. I heard a lot of good things about it. And I think I'm on week three. This will be week three, day three today. So I'll have completed week three after I do my session today. Awesome. Um, but yeah, just things like that, like being able to do that, leave Mabel with Dan for an hour so that I can go and do do that is is great and he knows that's important as well so he's not going to be like no I can't look after the baby blah 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 yeah yeah it's quite structured though isn't it they do quite a lot of because Carla she usually just goes for a jog but she'd go and she'd bowl out go for a jog for 15 minutes come back yeah. whereas they she's out for longer now but she says a lot of it's warming up psychologically it's quite yeah. nice to walk it do, yeah it's very because I was doing exactly the same I was just kind of going out for a 20 minute jog walking some of the time running some of the time yeah um, whereas this is yeah it's very structured where you walk for a bit you run for a bit walk for a bit run for a bit and it's all to build up so that you can do 5k without stopping um I've got Michael Johnson as my trainer oh. so him in my ear telling me what to do and encouraging oh. me and I said to Carla to go for him but she went for someone who was like some sort of celebrity I can't remember oh. <laughs> or not I can't remember who it was but um, right yeah, yeah it's, it's really good though but yeah like you say the kind of selfish aspect of it is a tricky one that I've I still don't really have a lot I think it'll be interesting to have conversations in a year's time because I think four months on I'm still kind of processing a lot of thoughts still and a lot in of the midst of it yeah. yeah yeah and I think it's that whole thing of um you know suddenly you're a mum and is that meant to just be your whole identity mm. because yeah you know I feel like it's not my whole identity yeah. well it is at the moment because it's literally all I'm doing but yeah it be selfish that you want parts of your old life back or that you want um time to yourself or you, it's, it's a really really tricky one and, it, and it's sort of to be the best mum do you need to have those parts as well that's the key, the, the key conundrum isn't it is how to get the whole the whole package because it does sort of change your priorities and sense of like a you know it's quite liberating even as a, a dad I think you feel less important which is quite nice in a way you feel less self you know kind of yeah. re reflective in a sense you think well it's most important that Zoe's well and happy my little girl but actually like you say you, you have to look after yourself and do the things that you like because you have to be at your best for them as well so it's sort of circular in a sense isn't it yeah definitely and I think you know the fit if we are talking about fitness and things you know some people might call you vain because you want to get out to get fit to lose your baby weight and things like mm. that and it's like you see quite a lot of the time people on Instagram social media and they talk about embracing their new bodies and being mm. in awe of what their bodies have done and blah 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 and it's kind of like am I selfish and vain because I want to lose this baby weight and and I and I'm kind of doing that for myself but does that make me vain does that make me selfish does that make me a bad mum no it's also it's also, their, also their, also their it's also their motives as well they're trying to get attention aren't they which translates into yeah. money so you think their motives aren't always just philanthropic or, or kind yeah it's just tricky I just feel like you can kind of maybe think both that like you can be in awe of what your body's done and mm. you can be very grateful for having this baby and you know I love Mabel to pieces but you can still want to be fit yeah. you still want to kind of get your abs back and things yeah, so, yeah. no no it's a really really tricky one you got your eight pack going on there Joe. <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> no, but that's um, but that yeah, that's true. And also, but even the moment the pandemic, that kind of message, hopefully, is sort of being, I guess, not reined in, but clarified because obviously things like being overweight, having a high body mass index, not that you ever are or were even pregnant, but that there's been a sort of big is beautiful, which okay, I, I understand that people are are who they are, but actually there are potentially health consequences for, for carrying too much weight, aren't there? So actually looking after yourself and for, for yourself and, and for Mabel. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, you know, I, I want to feel, uh, you know, the tiredness is another level. I thought I'd be prepared for I being <laughs> work. Like I thought, oh, I've done earlies for years. I'll be fine. Um, and then you think, oh, actually by exercising, you're going to end up being more tired but I actually find the opposite if I'm tired and then I exercise it kind of energizes me and then I feel yeah. like I'm probably giving more energy to Mabel and, and particularly, that's what, out, particularly outdoors I think isn't it it's, it's yeah. yeah and I'm sure there's research as well to do with getting your baby out and about so going for walks with her is is great as well getting her some fresh air and this nice countryside yeah, it is. It's how, I suppose for you, it's different as well, being completely different in the sense you are growing a baby inside of you. And you left a little bit earlier than maybe you would have done otherwise because of the pandemic. But were you conscious of that? Is it strange? Because we work in sort of visual form, don't we, on TV and, and people can judge us, particularly women, to be fair. Did, did you yeah. feel did you feel that that was something you were cognizant of? Not that you really even showed, I think, when I was working with you. Yeah, no, I think that that's something I found really strange is because I mean for people listening that don't know Sky they've been amazing to me throughout this but they basically said I think it was just before the first lockdown they put pregnant people in the high risk category so Sky said no pregnant people were allowed on site yeah so I it kind of outed me because I I think I had my 12 week scan that day um so wow. I hadn't told anyone at work oh, I had to then obviously call my boss and say I'm pregnant uh, what should I do and they were like you know yeah just stay at home don't come in uh and I kept on thinking month by month I was like oh I'll get back this month I'll get back this month and then it just <laughs> happened um which is weird because it's like no one actually really saw me pregnant and no. you know now I'm going to go back and I've got a baby and people are going to be like where did you get that baby from <laughs> but in terms of and the weird thing is it will seem like a long time to you but I don't know if you've had this experience at Sky like I've worked there pretty much regularly since 2007 which is incredible 14 years now but yeah. you sometimes don't see someone for like two or three years and you think you saw them two months ago but they'll say no I went I moved away to Australia for a couple of years and now I've come back yeah. like, oh, right. so that's weird isn't it because people may not be aware of how how long we've been away in a strange no, that, yeah and, you know it's that thing of like oh it's like you've never been away type thing um <laughs> that will probably happen um but it'll be interesting to go back um and yeah and see what people's reactions are as to whether they think I've changed much or um, <laughs> I don't know but just going back to the being pregnant and on tv thing or not being pregnant and on tv I feel a little bit sad in a way that I don't have that record of me being pregnant um, yeah yeah a lot of our colleagues that were pregnant in years past and they kind of their journey was almost documented on television because you saw them being getting more pregnant and more pregnant and then they'd have the baby and come back. But for I think me, some, someone's waters broke on set, didn't they? Which was a, a sort of a tale, yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I, won't, I won't say who it was, but yeah, apparently that was the case. Yeah, they, they worked, I think it was a freelance day. So I guess there was no staff maternity leave at the time. So they wanted to work right up until until they gave, well, not until they gave birth. But, 
<laughs> maybe a little bit closer if you, the baby was a, a couple of weeks early or something so yeah. and you just never know do you? that's the that's one of the things you learn when you have a baby or when your wife has a baby or when you have a baby is that those due dates are not really exact science so no, not sure no I think I I think I ended up being I was thinking I was five days late mm. yeah five five days late but I know people that yeah have their babies you know much earlier much later <laughs> you just yeah you just, um, but yeah be one of the things I actually do regret now though is I don't have a lot of photographs either of when I was pregnant because mm. I don't know it was partly being in lockdown not doing anything not going anywhere I had no reason to really have my photo taken yeah um, and also you know being someone that has never really carried much weight I probably did struggle a little bit with looking in the mirror and thinking oh even though it was you know I'm growing a baby it's amazing you look great you look great from what yeah, I saw well, you thank you but yeah it's just it's just different you, you just see a different version of yourself and you're you kind of maybe don't feel or I mm. certainly didn't feel like myself throughout but now I look back and I'm like oh I don't really have any photos which is actually quite sad yeah that is actually it would be nice to follow so you get, get a few new pieces of clothes as well for honor <laughs> yeah. and things like that would have been uh, would have been good but that is that's an interesting one isn't it I mean how how, how do you reflect does it change your perspective? Would you want Mabel to do the same job? Because it is quite a sort of judgmental industry, isn't it? I'm not sure that I'd want Zoe to, to necessarily do it. It's tricky. It is a really tricky one. I think uh, I think times have changed a lot, which is good in yeah. that I do feel like most of us girls are judged on what we do rather than how we look by yeah. most people. Um, there are obviously are still the people that do not have those feelings and and I came off Twitter a couple of years ago actually yeah. because I just found it a really toxic place because anything you put out there you were just getting vile remarks back you know people just saying things that just not you know things that you just wouldn't say to your worst enemy mm. and I thought why am I giving these people this platform to even say these things so yeah. I came Twitter with the view to just taking a break um but two years later I'm still not back on it and I don't miss it at all uh, um, these guys had handles of like proud dad didn't they and things like that and, yeah that uh, is the yeah funny thing yeah you, if you kind of delved a bit deeper to look at who these people were you know their profile picture it is them with their families and you just think how can you be raising a daughter and then saying these things mm. to a woman that is just you know just doing their job yeah yeah, it's quite illuminating, actually, the past year for me as a white bloke, actually. I'm fairly, you know, anonymous on social media in terms of a significant following or anything like that. But I've never really had much hate. I've got a few gay guys who follow me who send me messages saying, oh, you're really handsome and all this sort of stuff, which is very probably wrong, but quite flattering in a sense. And it's never it's never obscene or anything like that. It's very pleasant and things. But then it's um, I, I spoke to you and I speak to other women about stuff that they've received on social media from, from men. And then I speak to black friends like JD Dyer and Johnny Nelson the past year. And I had a conversation on the podcast recently with Johnny Nelson, because we've been exploring uh, black heavyweights and boxers from the, the early 20th century and what they endured. And he, and then we talked about black lives matter and, and how it has sort of opened my eyes to things that even, you know, going to school in the West Indies, I hadn't been aware of as a kid and, and sort of thinking that I'd been able to live a sort of privileged life in a sense. And he said, that's what white privilege is, that you don't know these things, yeah. particularly as a white man, you don't get subjected to it potentially, you know, either the, the sort of gross stuff that women, the offensive stuff that women have to deal with or, or that black people in the country yeah. have had to deal with racist abuse. So that was 
quite eye-opening to me because there does seem to be a divide, doesn't there, between what we receive. Sometimes women get more attention on social media, which I suppose you get bigger, yeah. fo- bigger following, but then there's that real sort of negative side to it. Yeah, and social media is something I've always kind of battled with because you kind of sometimes you do just wonder why why do we bother? You know, yeah. why are we on it? Um, but then it can be a really helpful place as well because I know even now I just think I'm a lot more mindful of the people I follow. Um, you know, like I follow people that I can relate to or that I look up to rather than people that will make me feel bad about my life. And yeah. I guess just kind of being a bit mindful about your social media and making sure you're posting things that uh, are not I mean yeah you, just some of the posts you see people doing you just think oh why are you doing that <laughs> please don't yeah, do that yeah. well exposing themselves a little bit you mean and things yeah, like that. almost it's and, and each to their own and that's yeah. why I, can, I don't want to go too much into it because it really is you know each to their own live and let live type thing um but I think just for your own social media if you if you're happy with what you're posting fine and just make sure you follow the right kind of people and just be very mindful of the fact that social media is not real life and that most people is just a tiny glimpse of what's going on in their lives and Mm. it's kind of I think we're maybe okay because we haven't grown up with it yeah really sad sometimes for the people that you know the kids that have grown up in this world of social media and they think they have to kind of aspire to a certain life or they have to post things because that's what people do on Instagram these influencers and things and I don't ever want you know my daughter to feel that they have to post certain things on Instagram to be liked or yeah. well, people, uh, people expose themselves physically quite often but they also expose themselves sort of emotionally don't they and put these really sort of deep felt things out there which is sort of their inner anguish and I think sometimes yeah. it's, it's sometimes maybe that is good, at, yeah. good sometimes I think that can be a good thing because people can start conversations people can be more open about things if we're talking about pregnancy and yeah related things again you know there's a lot of accounts I follow now and it is real life mums and it's it's people that are just very honest about what it's like to be a, a, a parent to a little baby and the struggles of that um rather than this kind of glossy oh look at me I had a baby two months ago and I look amazing and I've got this great life it's actually the opposite it's like I've got sick on my top I have <laughs> five days and it's it but it's good in a way to share that I think yeah, well, it's great for you to, to say that about social media as well, because I think that's an extension. A lot of people are exposed to it now, which is this need to, to get attention. And I suppose in our industry, we, we've come through and a lot, we probably have, you know, very um, wholesome objectives that we love sport. We want to cover it. We love sports broadcasting as kids. And that's why we aspired to do it. But there is a sort of sense of, of coming through. It's changed now. I think there's more talking to the other day, Alex Payne, about how more regulated it is in terms of there's panels that hire presenters is more objectively tested. I know you and I went through that with a chap called Nick Powell. Actually, he was very objective in his analysis of how he yeah. came through. Whereas there is sort of some histories of, of TV being very cosmetic and superficial. And I think that can play on your insecurities. So we're, we're aware of that sense of it, aren't we? Of, of wanting to get attention. But I think you, you have to wor- worry about that side of it. So I'm, I'm sort of aware of that. Oh, that's that negative aspect of myself trying to get validation or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And our jobs are a bit of a funny one sometimes, I think, because we almost. I quite often say I'd love to do my job and it, for it not to be on the television. It just so like happens. Radio, yeah. Yeah. yeah or, well, yeah, not even. Just, you know, I'd love to be able to talk about sport to no one. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Well, you are, you are, you are now. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> There's a few people listening, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's kind of like, you know, we, we do our jobs because we love sports and we want to talk about it and, and, and we enjoy it. And the fact that we're on TV is almost, it's just part and parcel of it, but it's not, we didn't set out to be on TV is kind of what I'm trying to say, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I always wanted to be a writer originally, then you just sort of end up yeah. in a certain place, don't you? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and then, yeah, I guess you have to accept, though, that with that comes the the attention on social media um, and it's just how you handle that. And I think now, I think people are more um, educated, I guess. I think mm. maybe when I first started, I wasn't particularly educated about the kind of reaction I might get on Twitter and it, and it, that's why it affected me so much. Yes. Um, but now I think particularly with newer presenters coming through, I think they're a lot more savvy about the kind mm. of downfalls and pitfalls of, of social media. It's funny how they, they seem to have different cultures, don't they? There is a sort of a vanity metric at play sometimes it seems in, in Instagram and, and TikTok, whereas Twitter can just be sort of a sort of more venerate, venomous sort of road rage text kind of environment. It's, <laughs> It's interesting how they have their own sort of feel sometimes, don't they, the platforms? Because theoretically, anyone can join all of them. Yeah, and that is funny because I came off Twitter, but I didn't come off Instagram because I find Instagram just a lot nicer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah, it's strange. Yeah, people get very attached to opinions on Twitter, which is funny, particularly like tribalism, be it racism or, hula, you know, football yeah. football tribalism as well, isn't it? It's like when people yeah. sort of message you saying, why? how can you be friends with him if he's a Liverpool fan? You're like, dude, you have to work together. It's like, you know. Yeah. It's not, it's not year nine. <laughs> so. yeah, I know. And, and, and that's why I come back to the fact that I just don't miss being on something like yeah. Twitter. It's a great platform and it does have its place. But part of me just wonders why we give these people the platform. Yeah. And it's that attention. And I think that's something I've struggled with. And I've never, I've always felt not negatively about people who suffer from addictions, but I've never quite understood it because I felt, oh, I've got this willpower. I don't, I'm not going to be an alcoholic. I can have a drink occasionally. I can do whatever occasionally but and even exercise in moderation i've never been a sort of uh, obsessive exercise but since the smartphone i've realized that i am sort of like really like a sort of um a dog with a, a bone with, which is checking my phone and things like that and it may be social media it may be whatsapp text messaging yeah. the, the news and i've actually found that something that i've had to discipline myself away from particularly since becoming a dad because zoe will say to me dad put your phone down what are you doing you know you're in the oh. that kind of thing and i've and I think social media plays a part in that, but you realise what I watched the social media dilemma on um, Netflix and that sort of illuminated things like, you know, checking your email religiously because we feel like we should check it just in case something's come through. And um, yeah, you sort of have to be, I, I've been sort of, oh, I'm a bit susceptible to this. This is something that is a new thing, like you were saying, that we didn't grow up with that actually we're having to adapt to, but it must be hard if that's your reality that you're presented with when you're eight or nine now. Yeah, and I think... It what, I actually haven't seen The Social Dilemma yet. Everyone keeps telling me to watch it. Um, <laughs> but I think it's good that you said about just being more mindful of the fact that you are on your phone a lot because that's half the, the battle. You know, you get people that live on their phones, but they maybe don't realise that they're doing it. Yeah, um, yeah. I think if you can be mindful of that and, and make the effort to even just... I, I just put my phone in the other room now. Mm. Yeah. And, and it's just it makes such a difference because... You know, it might beep. You might have a message, but just leave it. It's it's not. It doesn't matter if you don't reply to that message straight away. Um, and I thought maybe yeah, having a baby, it's kind of that is my. I want to give her my full concentration. So actually, yeah, just leaving my phone upstairs when I'm downstairs, uh, 
is yeah. a, is a thing. But it's I getting find, a habit, isn't it? Yeah, it's fine. I find WhatsApp challenging. We've got a great WhatsApp group at work, which is really good to stay in touch with people. But sometimes you get into threads. And I remember Olivia Wayne, who is a presenter of ours, and she actually hasn't come back to Sky since becoming a mum. She had a couple of babies. But I remember one night, some sort of messaging people were sort of like, talking about something on there and I was messaging and she like texted me saying dude get off your phone we've got to be at work at four in the morning what are you doing and <laughs> like and I just thought yeah because that would then affect my sleep and you know yeah. I, and my wife Carla will say to me look if you look at your phone first thing when you wake up you're in a bad mood because you're thinking about something you've got an email that's triggered you or yeah you, know, you start you're not in the present moment and actually you don't need to like you said because you, we're old enough and you're a couple of years younger at least a couple of years younger than me and I think but I remember first getting email in the sort of late nineties when I was a teenager. And then you're like, it's sort of novelty and you check it once a week and send an email back. <laughs> but now you feel like if someone like emails you and particularly us, cause we work random hours, like you'll be checking it when you're not at work and, and it's sort of firing yeah. back, firing back emails. And you think I don't need to do that. You know, I don't have to reply within 10 minutes to an email. Like you say, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah. And I think it's, yeah, it's just about um, having that willpower to, think actually I don't need to reply to that email or I don't need to check my emails religiously first thing in the morning um, because something else I think this pandemic has kind of shown is that addiction it can be just it can be so detrimental to your like you talked about feeling, waking up in the morning in a bad mood when you check your emails yeah. it's like checking your news apps and watching yeah. to at the moment I've found there were some days I was literally reading the news on my phone first thing in the morning then because I'm around, I'd be watching some sort of daytime television where they would be talking about the pandemic. Then I'd watch the lunchtime news. Then I'd watch the six o'clock news on BBC. Wow. And then over to Channel 4 News. Wow. <laughs> why yeah. am I consuming all this news? Or I'd have the radio on all day. So you get your half hourly news bulletins as well. Yeah. yeah. And it's also, we're, we're all in the world of the attention economy, aren't we? So they're all, unfortunately, negative yeah. news tends to sell. And, and I yeah. think it was more difficult for you being pregnant as well, though, to be fair, because as a sort of youngish adult you could look at it and say oh statistically I'm not really at risk from this virus but if I stay away from my gran or my mum or whatever it might be that, that it should be okay whereas um it, being a pregnant woman that was really unknown wasn't it at the time yeah really unknown um I don't think it's now is it I don't know no I don't think it is um I think I don't think there's been a lot of cases of pregnant people getting it or dying from it or or anything mm. but I think it's like anything like with the vaccine for example they can't test it on pregnant people or they can't test it on because yeah. this is something I've been looking into is if you're breastfeeding can you get the vaccine and at the moment I think they're saying I don't want to I'm not a doctor so anybody listening <laughs> just clarify you're not I thought you I thought this is a doctor <laughs> but um, I think they're basically saying you need to make your own decision it should be fine but you need to kind of mm. you know work out because they won't necessarily trial vaccines on people that are breastfeeding so it's yeah you yeah. have to make your mind up but um yeah I'm just trying to I, I like being informed but I'm just trying to watch and consume less news as well just kind of yeah. going back to that. um because it, you just find it can just make you so down sometimes yeah. sometimes yeah, going on, but not to the extent where it's it's affecting your your mood yeah sometimes think pieces are you know magazine pieces are a bit more sort of calmly written that I yeah. kind of find easier to, to review like the, the sort of new scientist is quite good which is sort of tabloid in a sense but it's more sort of science of the coronavirus and it's sort of rational it's not sort of blazoning headlines about sort of infections or, or deaths yeah or like a bit less scaremongering 
Yeah, I think so. Because you don't want to be in a state of fear the whole time, do you? Because that's what sometimes your phone, that constant connectivity, like I said in the past, we just could switch off. We had to switch off because it wasn't around us all the time. You know? yeah. So it's a, it's, a, it's a different mindset. But how do you feel about potentially going back to work and, and sort of leaving Mabel for the day and things like that? Are you looking forward to that? Mixed, I guess mixed emotions with the whole thing. It is mixed emotions. I think I kind of touched on it before where it's I'm looking forward to getting out the house and having a reason to to leave the house if yeah. we're going to still be in this kind of situation. Um, but yeah, I think it's it's a really tricky one because I'm going to have gone from spending literally 24 hours a day with this little being mm, mm. to having to leave her for eight to 10 hours a day. Um so yeah, it's a really tricky one because part of me, you know, a huge part of my almost identity is my job. I love my job. Um, yeah. And I'm really looking forward to just having that purpose and and fulfillment, I guess, because, it, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction from my job and my work. Um, but yeah, I guess you just don't know how you're going to feel until you go back in terms of, am I going to miss her? <laughs> am I going yeah. to... I don't know. It's... Which, which, which shifts work with her sleep patterns at that time? Because sometimes you'll find early's work and then sometimes late's coming. Yeah, and again, that's something to think about, isn't it? It's kind of what days will work, what shifts will work. Um, yeah. I think we're quite lucky, like Sky are, are very, they're a great company to work for in that they'll be very flexible um, in terms of when I do go back and, and hopefully I'll be able to have a little bit more say in terms of what shifts will be good um yeah I think it's only fair because particularly I don't know if you're still feeding Mabel as well because that's a yeah isn't it yeah yeah no and that and that's another huge thing it's kind of like um I'm gonna have to start thinking about about that which I haven't really thought about as of yet um yeah Dan is gonna have to you know learn how to feed her I mean obviously he can't feed her I don't mean like learn (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I tried that once to placate Zoe and it didn't work when uh, Carla was trying to get asleep that just didn't work so. oh, <laughs> there is a, a lot to think about and I maybe yeah. haven't fully thought it all yeah. through just yet um but yeah hopefully I'll have a chat with my boss next week and we can work out how to make it work um yeah. but yeah it's it's going to be strange I think having gone from seeing nobody literally nobody <laughs> yeah I've forgotten how to well this podcast has probably proved I've forgotten how to communicate very I think, well I think you've been fantastic but that's um, <laughs> by, by my standards anyway so in terms of the listeners are probably think it's, it's a welcome relief but it's fun it's great to, to hear you and who knows by the time that you come back in a couple of months the pandemic may have eased well or... yeah that's very true actually I think that I forget that that things are on the up and that hopefully there will be we will be getting back to some sort of normality um but yeah at the moment yeah actually but let's 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 be optimistic that by the time <laughs> I come back I will have seen a few more people before <laughs> before I come back to work well who knows in a few months we'll be able to carpool down from the Cotswolds to London yes. we have similar shifts that'd be quite good yeah. so save on the petrol and stuff balance yeah, it out. Exactly. and it's actually quite funny because I was planning when I moved I thought I'm going to have a few months of commuting um but I've I've not done the commute yet so I'm going to have to pick I'll do it off this podcast because it'll be very boring for people <laughs> <laughs> but I need to pick your brains about about the commute and well you're a bit yeah you're a bit closer to me it's not too bad yeah I mean it's all right at the moment it's actually it's not this is a boring conversation but it's not actually 
as busy, obviously, as it was. It's busier than the first lockdown, but I think people have realised they sort of have to go to work now if they if they yeah. do have to physically go to work. So it's slightly busier, but it's not. Yeah, it's just that sometimes traffic around Oxford and, and things can be a bit of a mission or the M25 at certain times. So, um, but yeah, I won't I won't go full Alan Park. <laughs> I was going to say yeah, say <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that, say that. But Joe, been brilliant to speak to you. Who's going to win the Six Nations before we wrap up? Scotland, of course. <laughs> of course, they always do. I've always said I'm like their lucky charm and I'm not going to be working for them but maybe I've been their unlucky charm so maybe the fact that I won't be there will will help (laughs) was it 99 they won it when it was five nations didn't they is that right the last time I'm picking my brains on years and trivia well I stitched you up on that quiz didn't I years ago I didn't mean to do that but he said oh have you got a quiz for Joe you know when you're trying to break into the, the industry I was like what who won the FA Cup in this year in, in, in 1908 <laughs> yeah, yeah no. What? no oh no did I it just, even exist back then it's ruined Joe's chances of employment <laughs> fortunately actually it didn't hold me back no it didn't but Joe been a pleasure to speak to you wonderful and fantastic job with Mabel she looks gorgeous and um yeah congrats to Dan as well for becoming team Europe GB <laughs> yeah well, thank you, Ed, and I look forward to when we get to work together again soon. Me too. Speak to you soon. Thank you. Bye. Great to have Joe Wilson on. She was almost prophetic there as well in predicting that Scotland would win the Six Nations for the first time this century. I think they did win it, I think, in 99. I remember doing some research for a dinner I hosted a while ago at Twickenham. And I think it was 99, the last one, the five nations it was then before Italy had come into the fray. But beat England, very nearly beat Wales, lost by a point. Uh, yesterday I recorded this interview with Joe last week but yeah really cool to get her thoughts on the changing perception of identity through motherhood and how you want to recapture parts of your identity I suppose of going back to work but how it's never quite the same and I remember as a dad maybe it is slightly different nuance you don't carry the baby in your stomach for that period you don't have that ability to feed your baby from your own body and, and have them through the night maybe nuzzled up to you in that sense in that really kind of primal way but it, it definitely changes you and I think for me, it was always kind of contradictory that you felt this kind of immediate pressure to provide, to to go and work. I guess it would have been hunting in the primal world, wouldn't it? But at the same time, you want to be with at home more in a sense to be around your your little girl, your little boy. So it's it's really interesting to get her sort of take on it in the midst of it and kind of coming to grips with being a mum because it's so all-consuming. You always think, or a lot of us thought of sports broadcasters, sometimes getting up for 3 a.m. for work, sometimes getting in at, at one two in the morning after a late shift you actually thought you know that that shift work that lack of sleep the ability to power through could help you in parenthood and maybe it does a little bit but the point is you can get that adrenaline burst to get you through a shift but then you can relax afterwards whereas with a baby it's 24 7 or at least it feels like that you're very much charged up at the start we were adrenalized and my wife was i think mindful i did not as much of the care i had to go back uh, to work five days after becoming a dad because of the, the complications being self-employed at the time and maybe that's a regret but it's interesting getting her sense of that and the changing identities of, of the whole process and also some of the compromises the joy of being a sports broadcaster of course working in sport which is our passion but then the flip side and the compromise is often that you can't pursue the very things that that ignited your passion that's playing sport for joe it's netball and basketball for me was playing semi-professional football so really cool to to get her take on that not that you're complaining but it's um i think my, my consolation is perhaps i used to head the ball a lot that maybe not playing football in that period has been good for my health and in that sense long term as the evidence comes to bear about heading footballs and a detrimental effect potentially on um brain health of that well thank you to joe great to speak to her follow her on instagram 
not on Twitter, as she says. You can follow me on Twitter. Go on Ed Draper eighty one. Don't really get much vitriol, <laughs> much of a following following relative to Joe, so that's possibly why. Uh, but Ed Draper eighty one on Twitter. Ed underscore Draper eighty one. If you could rate the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on, that'd be fantastic. Um, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you may be, appreciate that support and feedback, and really appreciate the support of the sponsors as ever. Bang & Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high-quality customer service and installations. And aware, it's not just for Bang & Olufsen of uh, fans, of <laughs> fans, potential customers in Cheltenham. It could be anywhere in the UK. I suppose you could check out the website, Bang & Olufsen Cheltenham, follow their social media, B&O Cheltenham on Twitter and Instagram. And through Serene AV, they could offer you a bespoke home entertainment solution as well. I know they travel relatively far and wide in the area, but they could do it remotely now, presumably through through Zoom. Not necessarily an expert on the whole consultation process, but Jason Briggs and his team, fine people, as are the people at Cytoplan, purveyors of fantastic food supplements, or sorry, food-based supplements, so multivitamins, different types of vitamin, fish oil, omega oils, whatever it may be that you're particularly keen to enhance your diet and the, the rest of your package designed for to keeping healthy, whether it's, for me, it's having a week off is, again, transformative just getting better sleep routine um a time off shift work and going to bed sleeping for quite a long time actually and just feeling good for that and realizing that is the fulcrum of a lot of our health but this, this, the idea of getting those micronutrients just to top up health selenium zinc vitamin d3 whatever it may be is uh, is great i always take my immune complete two that i have from cytoplan.co.uk it's immune complete one for uh menstruating women and younger people and you can check it out at cytoplan.co.uk, C-Y-T-O-P-L-A-N.co.uk. And my discount code is Draper10R, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numbers one zero and the capital letter R. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Really appreciate it. And I hope to speak to you again very soon. Goodbye for now.